Coming up on Chasing the Natty, playoffs are here in every league and it's time to pay off all of that hard work you've been putting into this season. Your teams have been built up, but maybe you just need a little bit more help and depth in order to get you over the top. We'll be discussing a few of those players to target on the waiver wire this week, while also discussing some coaching news that is already set to start the coaching dominoes around the country. All that and more coming right after this. Junior touchdown! Marvelous Mark! Ball next to the all-time drop down for Franklin! A majestic touchdown! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everyone. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work. On this Monday morning, we are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus of Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday morning during the season at 6 a.m. sharp. If you want to support the great work we're doing here, head on over to campusofcanton.com and subscribe there with one of our tiers. You'll find everything you need for your CFF, Devi, C2C, IDP, uh, betting, all that great stuff, including rankings, articles, tools, and even more than that. You can also find me and the show on Twitter. I am at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty. Well, guys, we're here. We, we've made it. It's, it's playoff time. I, I really hope a lot of you out there have made it into your playoffs. Again, I've been very successful in my leagues this year, so I, have ho- I, have, I hope that my knowledge and me doing this show for you has helped you reach the playoffs in your leagues. I really hope that this has been helpful for you guys this year. Like I said, it's been great for me in every single one of my season-long format leagues. That's not like best ball or anything like that. I have made the playoffs in each and every one of them. It was it was a little tough in a couple of them. I will fully admit, definitely came down to the wire on a couple of them. But I I am proud to say that I did make the playoffs in every single one of my league. Has been super great since then. I'll admit because um, at one league that started in week ten, lost my matchup in the first round of that, and then this past week I had four playoff matches and went two for four in those. Um, one of one of which I lost uh, 309 to 305. It's a full PPR league, but even still, like that's still a ton of scoring right there. I had the second highest score on the weekend. Just happened to be facing the guy who scored 309 points. It was that that one was a little brutal. I'm not gonna lie. And then the other playoff loss I had this weekend, I just completely crapped the bed. That that, that is a league where I have done super super well in it pretty much the entire season. Fell apart a little bit at the end, and I couldn't start a, start the right quarterback to save my life in that league. Yeah, that that one just that one ended in a wet fart. It was very unfortunate right there. Um, got five more playoff matchups this weekend, so hopefully we do better than the ones I have been doing in so far. So we will definitely see again. I hope you guys are doing really well in your playoff matchups to this point right here. And for those of you that got your first matchup this weekend, I will give a little bit of advice I put out on Twitter and it seems like it caused a little controversy between a couple people, but like 
it is important to we all love this sport we, we, we wouldn't be playing it if we didn't quite frankly if you made it into the playoffs you put enough work into this that clearly you enjoy doing what you're doing when it comes to playing this game however i totally understand how stressful the end of the season can be for these leagues again you put in a ton of work you put in a ton of time and effort into getting to where you are nobody really lucks their way into the playoffs in college fantasy because of just how much you have to keep track of so you want to see that pay off so it does get stressful on a saturday morning or on saturday during the day if you're constantly checking your phone being like oh my up and my down and everything i just recommend to all of you guys put the phone down Close fan tracks. Check your lineups one time before the noon slate. Make sure you got everybody that you think you need to and everything. And just let it go for the rest of the day. Obviously, if like some big news comes up or anything like that, keep an eye on some injury news just in case somebody comes in that you have in your lineup, stuff like that. But for the most part, I just wouldn't look at the scores like at all. Wake up to them on Sunday morning and just let it hit you all at once. It's it's a lot better for you, in my opinion, if, if that is something that affects you and can affect the the way you enjoy just the rest of the Saturday and everything, just go ahead and close it down for the day and then look at it the next morning. Again, that's not you not caring. Again, somebody responded to my uh, comment saying like, oh, you don't want to pretend not to care. No, you do this because you care that much. And so if, you, if it is something that is going to impact the rest of your day, if it's going to be something that's going to impact your enjoyment of just college football in general, yeah, close it down for the day. Figure it out later because again, once those games start, once your lineups are set and everything, there really isn't that much you can do. And so if you're constantly looking at it, like hoping that you can just will your way to win and everything like that, you got no control over it. So don't let it affect your mental health. Don't let it affect the enjoyment of the day. Just let it go and see what happens the next day. Because then once you find out if you won or lost, then you can start kind of go back into planning mode. Then you can start going back into things that will affect whether you win or not that next Saturday. Like the waiver wire picks, which we'll be talking about here today, like planning out your sit and starts, which we'll talk about on Wednesday's show. Just a little piece of advice. Again, maybe I'm rambling a little bit here, but like it is something that I did this past weekend and it really did help quite a bit. Not being, and like I'll admit, I didn't go the whole day, but like it wasn't until like 11 o'clock at night that I went and checked some of my leagues. Now again, there were a couple of leagues that I was just like, oh God, these late night games are really going to decide this and everything. But it was still a lot better than me going the entire day looking at my fantasy leagues being like, oh God, am I going to do, am I going to keep this lead or oh God, am I going to be able to come back from this? Just don't worry about it. Enjoy college football, y'all. We got great games over the next two weeks to finish the season, a lot to figure out. It is a sport we all love and enjoy at the end of the day. So don't, if, if it is something that's going to affect that, just take my advice. Put down fan tracks during the football day and check the next day. Anyway, enough of that rambling. You guys don't want to hear me ramble on anymore about that. Let's go talk about what we're going to talk about here today. Again, we got, of course, a few waiver wire pickups. I'll be real, y'all. This is probably going to be a much shorter show than we've been doing the entire season. Because like I said, as we've been leading up to this, the waiver wire is pretty picked through at this point. There's not a ton of guys that you're really grabbing off the waiver wire at this point and being like, all right, I'm starting you this week. More than anything, these are guys you throw on for depth. Maybe they catch fire right here in the last couple of weeks here. But for the most part, and I'll admit, like again, looking at a lot of the guys, there's very, very few that I'm like, oh, you have to make this pick up this week. It's really more for if you need some extra depth, if somebody goes down, this could help you out, stuff like that. But before we get to that, 
boy, coaching news really hit us like a ton of bricks this upcoming weekend. Again, I know that this is right about the time where you start hearing all of that news kind of start coming out and everything. I honestly thought we might get another week before this, but we all got hit in the face Sunday morning when freaking Jimbo Fisher was really the first big name fired. I'll be real. I thought Jimbo Fisher would not be fired for another year. I personally thought they were going to give him at least one more year. Again, they have a huge buy. I think it's like $76 million that they're now paying him, which I thought that's the whole point of why they were keeping him around was like, you know, to get that buyout less and everything like that. They fire him now. That feels weird when you've only had one year of Bobby Petrino, which that offense has actually looked a lot better this year. They lost their starting quarterback and Connor Wiegman about halfway through the season, maybe even before that. It just feels kind of weird. Like, Again, yes, a has been kind of disappointing this year. There's been quite a few losses. Don't get me wrong. I get it. But at the same time, like, I'm looking at what they've done this year, and it's nothing any worse than what they did last year. It wasn't like, and there is, in my opinion, some legitimate excuses when your starting quarterback goes down and you're in your first year of a new offensive coordinator hire, which is actually kind of working out a little bit. I just felt, again, I feel like they should have waited another year. But again, obviously, I'm not the big daddy warbucks in the back room of texas a&m's booster rooms trying to figure out what they want to do next so clearly they thought different than i did in terms of what this means for cff this there's a couple angles here one what happens to bobby petrino bobby petrino is actually was kind of somewhat making texas a&m at least an offense that could score enough to potentially give you different cff options obviously guys like evan stewart have been looking good this year um the running back room has just been an injured mess, so it's been hard to kind of find guys there. But Connor Wigman had himself some nice games here and there. What happens to him? I really don't know. He was not named the interim head coach, so that tells me that AM is not trying to really hold on to him. I think it's going to be, depend very much big time on who they bring in as the head coach, but even still, that's probably going to be a big change. The other part of it is, and this is really the thing that everybody's wondering about, is like, what happens to these star players? Like, A&M brought in a ton of these guys. Now, granted, again, they fired the head coach, not the boosters. So a lot of these guys who came in for the NIL and everything, they'll probably be able to stick around for that. But, you know, we already had a guy like Raymond Contra, who's already in the portal. He is not going to be the last one there. Um, Guys like Evan Sewers, Ruben Owens, Connor Weekman, in fact. Like, what happens to these guys? Do... Do they, it really depends a ton on who they hire there. So definitely something to keep an eye out there. Um, another head coach firing this morning as well. This one was kind of a little bit more expected, I think, from around the country here. Andy Avalos, for those of you who don't know, that is the head coach at Boise State. They have certainly been on a struggle bus this year. Definitely not living up to what Boise State has been doing in the past. And... Part of me wonders, like, obviously, you know, they fired him because, you know, Boise State's not doing well. But does this impact what happens to some of the Boise State players that have been rumored to be transferring after the season? I mean, obviously, Eric McAllister is already in the portal. If they make the right hire here, does that bring him back there? It sounds like Ashton GNT's already got one foot in the portal. He's just kind of waiting for that, you know, official time period. It seems like kind of finishing out the season with his guys first. He's injured, might be shutting it down for the rest of the year. Hopefully not, because I need him in one of the leagues. But even still, it be what it be there. We'll definitely see. Um, and, and then, again, 
Uh, last one here that kind of came up was Mike Yurcich being fired as the Penn State offensive coordinator. A lot of people kind of buying into Drew Alar and his talent this year, really hoping that he can make that next step, that next, uh, yeah, the next step in year two right there. And against in, against everybody but Penn State and Ohio, or against Michigan and Ohio State, Alar pretty much looked the part. Again, he put like, he was a solid 20-24 fantasy points per game kind of player he wasn't doing anything out of this world but you know he looked like a guy who could run his offense but again the deficiencies in the offense became oh so clear once they went up against a defense that was even remotely the same talent level as them we'll definitely see i think this is absolutely penn state scapegoating a little bit with mike yersich now i agree he should not have stayed as the offensive coordinator but this is absolutely one of those cases where your session was fired so James Franklin can get one more shot at landing a solid offensive coordinator hire. I also have to think that this is partially to do with some of the rumors about Drew Aller, or excuse me, Drew Alar transferring potentially after the year, given how much Yursich has really stunted the development of Alar during the season. If they make the right hire, does that keep Alar around? We'll definitely see, but I think this will absolutely make or break James Franklin as a head coach, given whoever they hire next. He has to nail this next hire. Otherwise, like there's really nothing, nothing that's going to save James Franklin in the future. So we'll definitely see. All right, let me take a sip of water. And then I say we get on over to these waiver wire pickups. And get on the right page there. And as always, you guys know what we've got to do first. We'll start with the negative and on a positive note. But we got to talk about a couple of these guys to avoid on the waiver wire this week. Again, you should already be very, very picky about your waiver wire picks this late in the season already. Like you're talking about, like, like I said at the start of the show, you've built up your rosters. You've been grabbing waiver wire guys pretty much the entire season. If you're still streaming different guys at this point in the season, like... It's it's going to be a little rough for you because, again, these waiver wires are pretty picked clean at this point. But if you are in that situation, let's talk about some of these guys who you should definitely avoid this week, at least in my opinion. We'll start with the quarterback, John Paddock, the quarterback out of Illinois. The change in quarterback out of Illinois obviously did something for this offense. They clearly looked a lot better this past week than they have in the past. But how much of that has to do with Indiana's defense, Indiana's defense not being solid on really anything there but i'm personally just not buying it when was the last time in the like this past this past week this matchup between illinois and indiana finished 48 to 45 when was the last time we saw a big 10 matchup finish with both teams scoring in the 40s right there like it 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 may not have been that long ago but it is not a common occurrence in the big 10 whatsoever there especially with a team like Illinois, which is known to run the ball quite a bit right there. Paddock, again, like I said, maybe he unlocks something in this Illinois offense that Luke Altmaier wasn't really able to do. I don't know. It's just not something this late in the season I'm willing to, I'm willing to take a shot on. Next guy here, uh, Hassan Wilson, the running back out of Charlotte this past week. He went absolutely insane, almost 200 yards versus that Memphis defense. But that kind of tells you right there. Part of it is the matchup. Memphis's defense has been super, super porous 
over the last couple of weeks. It feels like that defense is just deteriorating before our eyes. Anybody going up against them, you should really feel good about that, a.k.a. all of you people with SMU quarterbacks out there like Preston Stone should feel really really good about that matchup this upcoming week but let's say you let's say you want to buy into it let's let's say you're like okay but maybe it's not just a matchup Hassan Wilson is like the fourth string running back for Charlotte they are down Kelman they are down Bird they are down Darrell Robinson really only one of those guys is out for the season like the, the true freshman Darrell Robinson if either Kelman or Bird comes back, this is clearly going to immediately kill any value that Wilson has. The only reason why he got the amount of carries that he did this past week was literally because nobody else was healthy. The fact that all three of those guys, between Kelman, Bird, and Robinson, were the staff's first choice to put out there, it really does tell me that, like, again, if any of them are back, Wilson immediately goes away. I'm not risking that during playoffs, not doing it. Kind of a similar situation here with kind of injuries coming up and everything. Uh, Taron Keith, the running back out of Bowling Green, went up against Kent State this past weekend. Once again, very favorable matchup there. Obviously took great advantage of it this past week against Kent State, but he had only nine carries and did a ton with them. Again, good for him, but at the same time, it's an efficiency that I cannot really expect to go on a week-by-week basis. And then the other part of it is, like, Terry and Stewart, clearly clearly the runaway rb1 for this offense if he comes back next week like once again keith's value immediately goes down i think stewart again he was out very clearly out so there is a chance that he is out again this next upcoming week but at the same time didn't seem like it was a super intense injury there and so definitely keep an eye out there and even even if even if stewart doesn't come back i'm not really going to buy into a guy like Keith not this late in the season not not a guy who's only catching fire just now so we'll see speaking of guys only just catching fire just now uh Camden Benjamin the wide receiver out of Tulsa did really well against a solid two-lane defense this past week so you can't even blame the matchup on this one but he went over 150 yards there two touchdowns looked really really good for the Golden Hurricanes but while his volume's been all right, his production just hasn't been there. This is the first game all season that he has had more than 62 yards in the game. Yeah, his volume's been fine, but he doesn't catch a lot, doesn't catch a ton of the balls. Maybe he catches a little bit of fire near here, here near the end, but at the same time, like this isn't a risk you want to take this late in the season. I'm not buying it. Don't worry about it. And last wide receiver here, Donovan McCulley, the wide receiver out of Indiana. Kind of a lot of the same stuff that we talked about already between Indiana and Illinois' game last week. Just an absurd number of points for a Big Ten matchup right there. Not something you can expect on a week-by-week basis. This is an offense that has struggled to hit 20 points on any given week. They do have some kind of nice matchups here near the end between Purdue and Michigan State, but I'm not going to rely on a guy that's only just now past 500 yards on the season as the wide receiver one for this team. Like he is clearly the wide receiver one, which by the way, clearly wide receiver one at Indiana is a 20% target share. That is not something, not something at all you really want to rely on. He hit double digit targets this past weekend. That's great and all, but I just, again, you're not going to, you're not going to throw this guy in a lineup. You really shouldn't be making picks off the waiver wire at this point unless you're ready to throw them into your lineup or you're like desperate for some depth. 
McCauley, if you wanted some really desperate depth, maybe you throw him on your bench. But for the most part, like, I don't think you're really happy with him. Because if he does anything that was not this past week, you're not, you're, you haven't been happy with his production at all during any week this season. I wouldn't expect that to change over the last two weeks all of a sudden. So those are the waiver wire traps you guys know typically how I kind of pick those guys out. But we'll go ahead and talk about the actual guys you should be targeting. And there is zero, I repeat, zero graphics for quarterbacks today. I'm going to actually skip over quarterbacks almost entirely because, guys, as I've kind of been talking about over and over again, it's the same names again. I'll throw them out there. Joey Aguilar, Nicholas Vacciato, Jordan McLeod, Kyron Jones, EJ Warner, those are the guys that are pretty still widely available for the most part. They're the guys to target. Garrett Green, if he's still out there. These are all, those are the dudes. Like, it doesn't change. I'm not going to go over them again. If you want more in-depth, I highly recommend you check out the previous episodes and everything like that, but I'm not going to bore all of you who have been listening week by week, every week, with the same guys over and over again. They all have, a lot of them have really good matchups to finish up the season right here. Quite frankly, again, like there's nothing really more I can say on the quarterbacks. Running backs, there are quite a few interesting options here. So we'll go ahead and put, throw the first graphic up here, and I will take a sip of water. All right, first one here. We have quite a not. Uh, I was about to say quite a few, but we have two running backs here that again. It's going to sound a little hypocritical because I just talked about guys like Wilson and Keith who are the beneficiaries of injuries right now. But the next two guys are guys that, one, I trust them to be the clear workhorse back without their partner in crime there. And then the other part of it is that the partner in crime's injuries are just a little bit more severe and I'm not entirely sure when those guys are going to be coming back. So we'll start with the first one here again. Cedric Baxter, the running back out of Texas. He's on 45% of leagues, way over my typical limit here. But like this is worth bringing up. Like One, I think that percentage is a little inflated due to the fact that he is a, he is taken on literally every dynasty and keeper league out there. So I'm not going to like, I pretty much knock off like 25% right there because people were already holding on to him because of just Devi value and stuff like that. But at the same time, like, the RB1 in a Steve Sarkeesian offense should be way above 49%. And Cedric Baxter is going to be that guy moving forward. Sorry, Jadon Blue fans. I was one of you, but like Baxter's clearly been the number two guy behind Jonathan Brooks when he's put, been put out there. And he has the opportunity to kind of get his season for next year started early. You got Iowa State this next upcoming week. You got Texas Tech after that. Both of them are pretty decent against the rush, but again, it's Steve Sarkeesian's offense. They've typically overwhelmed most opponents that they've been able to go against, especially at the running back position. Baxter should should be fine there. The main thing with Baxter is like, man, you want to talk about up and down efficiency? This is this dude is like the epitome of it like against Oklahoma 2.6 yards per carry against Houston 7 yards per carry against BYU 2.4 yards per carry against Kansas State 9 yards per carry against excuse me against TCU 3.4 yards per carry this dude is like way back and forth and hopefully he can get that figured out as he kind of increases his volume here gets some more touchdown opportunities again this past week against TCU at 18 carries 
after a lot of that coming after Brooks went down. But at this at that point, the touchdowns had been scored at that point. So Baxter didn't get a ton of opportunities there. We'll see. Again, he's had two touchdowns in the last five games as the backup. Probably means he's going to get himself some good opportunities over the next two weeks here to finish the season. That's pretty much it. Again, Steve Sarkeesian running back available in a ton of leagues right there. He is a guy that I would absolutely pick up and stick on my bench. See what he does for the semifinal week. And then if he is popping off against Iowa State this upcoming weekend, I insert him, get him ready for the championship run. So, in a very similar vein, going over to another great running back system here at Illinois. Reggie Love, the running back there at Illinois, he has been injured. He has been kind of out of commission over the last couple of weeks, allowing Caden Fagan to really kind of pop off. Well, they're now switching places. Caden Fagan left the game early this past weekend and against Indiana, and Reggie Love came in ready to be the RB1 there. 24 carries, 140 yards, and two touchdowns. There is nobody else. Josh McCray is done. They're not throwing anybody else back there. I mean, Caden Fagan went down early. You're hoping that he's healthy. You're hoping that he's good to go. But we've seen plenty of times this year that typically when your top running back or when your running back goes down, especially in game, it's probably one more game before you can expect them to start coming back. Well, Reggie Love should have himself a nice game over the next two games. Again, you get Iowa. Tough Tough matchup there in the semifinals, but if Caden Fagg is not back by the time championship week comes around, they go up against Northwestern. They're 60th versus the Rush. Give Love 25 carries, 25 touches. You're probably looking pretty pretty there for the most part. So as long as, as long as Caden Fagan is out, definitely keep your eye on any kind of news for that. But Love is a guy that I'm willing to trust over the next two weeks if Fagan is out for the rest of the regular season. So be on the lookout for news like that. Next one here. This one is there's no no injury qualification here. No nothing like that. It is Rashad Amos, the running back out of Miami of Ohio, rostered on 5% of leagues. The former South Carolina transfer coming in. And ever since Brett Gabbard has gone down with injury to... And, really is done for the season here. Amos has been a guy that the Red Hawks have been absolutely relying on over the past couple of weeks. Starting the Toledo game again, 10 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Not great there. But then the very next week against Ohio, Ohio, which is a really good rushing defense for the MAC, 21 carries, 163 yards, and a touchdown. And then this past week, 15 carries for 118 yards and two touchdowns. This is one of those deals and something to keep an eye out in the future. These Power 5 backs coming down to the MAC, maybe they don't always work out year one, but they're going to work out eventually. I mean, Penny Boone working out at Toledo this year. Um, Lorenzo Lingard starting to look pretty decent for Akron over the last couple of weeks. Obviously not this this week, but even still, like they eventually kind of take over. Amos is the latest example coming over from South Carolina. 200-yard games to kind of finish the season here. You get Buffalo this next week. They're 103rd versus the Rush. And then... The next week you get Ball State, that's a little bit tougher there. They're 37th versus the Rush, and they have been a team that hasn't won a lot of games, but they do kind of make it get down and dirty. They make it to where it's a low-scoring affair. So maybe Amos is, like, you're kind of relying on Amos to be the beneficiary of the at least one to two touchdowns that Miami, Ohio is going to be allowed to score in that game. Pretty much the exact same thing that happened against Akron this past week, but 
Amos did really well there. Other main thing with Amos is, again, not great PPR. Zero receptions over the last three games. So this is not a guy that's... like If, if Miami of Ohio falls behind against Buffalo or Ball State, you could probably be in a little bit of trouble there. But also, I don't think they're going to pass a whole ton. So who knows? We'll see. Amos, in my opinion, if you want a guy that is like probably the safest pick at running back out of the three that I've talked about so far, Amos is probably that guy. But man... Baxter and Love as the in the systems that they're in could be a ton of fun. And then one last running back we're going to talk about here. I put a question mark versus this one, but I'm going to throw it out here anyway. Gavin Sawchuck, the running back out of Oklahoma, rostered on 29% of leagues. God, can this backfield be any more of a headache? I just talked about adding Tobby Walker as the clear number one running back for Oklahoma. He has earned it. He has done it. And now the staff loves Sawchuck again for some reason after he hasn't really been proving to them whatsoever throughout this entire season. It seems like the week against Oklahoma State with Walker banged up a little bit there that Sawchuck kind of earned his stripes. Again, he carried the ball 13 times for 111 yards in that game, 8.5 yards per carry and a touchdown. He was a guy that, again, the staff seems like, okay, now you've done it in a game. We'll rely on you from here on out. This past week, we saw that a little bit more. Of the 25 touches, again, shout out Nate Marquise on this one. Of the 25 touches given to running backs for Oklahoma this past week, 22 of them went to Sawchuck. So very clearly, he's that he's the guy that they're relying on right now. 135 yards, 200-yard games in a row right there. You love to see that here at the end. And then there's a great matchups here to finish the season. BYU, 120th versus the rush. TCU, 72nd versus the rush. So both below average rushing defenses. You love to see that. It's just, so everything's coming together here. But again, it's just that Oklahoma running back room has just been such a headache all season long. I wouldn't be surprised if they hand the ball off 30 times to Javante Barnes this week because that's just what has been happening. It's been an absolute nightmare. So those are kind of the new names that I'm throwing out there at running back. I will throw out some honorable mentions here that we've kind of talked about before. Um, Bashal Tootin, the uh, running back at Virginia Tech, has been very solid the last couple of weeks. Marion Lukes, we saw him have a really nice week for Central Michigan this past week, even though Miles Bailey had come back. Uh, Mario Anderson, the South Carolina running back there, he is probably good for at least one 70-yard run at per, a game, it feels like. They maybe, he doesn't always score a touchdown, but... He is a big play waiting to happen at least once per game. So I'd be willing to take a shot there. Again, South Carolina's got some decent matchups here at the end. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, they got Clemson to finish the season. But, you know, Clemson's been up and down on defense. We'll see. And then the last one I'll throw out here. This is another one of those, like, keep an eye on for injury news and everything because we don't really know the severity of the RB1's condition. But keep an eye on Jaheim White at West Virginia this week. C.J. Donaldson went down in the third quarter in the game against Oklahoma. We don't have any kind of news on how severe it is. All we know is that it's a lower body injury. If we get any kind of confirmation that he is probably out for this next game, I think Jaheim White could be very interesting at West Virginia to finish the season here. He's been a very explosive player for them all year long. I think he's been averaging like 7.7 yards per carry throughout this entire season. So again... Very clearly a medium to big play happening on pretty much any time he touches the ball. I am, he's definitely going to be something I'll keep an eye on. All right, let me take a sip of water and then we'll get some wide receivers. 
cool beans. Let's talk about three wide receivers. And again, for the most part, all of these guys are like, there's, there's some big caveats here. Again, the waiver wire has been pre- pretty picked clean for the most part. And that's really, really true with this guy next year. This is very much a shot in the dark kind of play. Put him on your bench, see what happens this weekend, and then maybe load him up for the final week of the season here. We'll see. But Luke Floria, the wide receiver out of Kent State, rostered on 0% of leagues. Since Christian McCray has gone down, this offense seems to love a wide receiver one. Something to keep in mind for next year for sure. And Floria seems to be the next man up. In the loss to Bowling Green this past weekend, he had 17 targets, 9 receptions, 95 yards. This is a dude that they seem to be relying on a little bit more. Again, against Akron last week, he scored a touchdown on only five targets. So now that McCray is out of the picture, it seems like the quarterbacks there are willing to feed this guy a little bit more. The only thing is that I really don't like these matchups over the next couple weeks. Again, Ball State, pretty solid defense there. Kind of keeps things low scoring. So once again, you're really, really hoping that Floria is able to find the end zone in that game. And then here... We got, we got Northern Illinois, who is third versus the pass on championship week. So I'll admit, the, the, the more I researched this, the more I was like, eh, I'm not super confident in this. But again, if you have a guy who has the potential to reach 17 targets in any given game, I don't care how low scoring that game is, especially in a PPR league, that's something you can't really ignore right there. So make your own judgment call there. Again, as I was kind of talking about it, not super excited about Luke Flory as a potential pickup option, a wide receiver, but maybe it's something that you're willing to take a shot on. Somebody I'm way more willing to take a shot on, I'll admit, this is probably the safest running, or running back, wide receiver pickup that I can make this week. And that is Drake Stoops, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Ro- wa- excuse me, rostered. I almost said rostered, as if I'm Elmer Fudd over here. Rostered on 11% of rosters there. This dude has been on fire the last two weeks. Ever since Oklahoma took those two losses there, it seems like Drake Stoops has become the number one target for Oklahoma. Pretty much what we thought that um, both Andrew Anthony and... um, Oh my goodness, why am I forgetting his name off the top of my head? Oh my goodness. Jaleel Farouk. Oh my goodness, why why did I completely forget that name? He's pretty much doing what we thought Jaleel Farouk would do throughout the season here. He is clearly, over the last couple of weeks, been the main guy. 27 targets over the last two weeks. 22 receptions. Almost 300 yards over the last two games. Four touchdowns over the last two games. Like, dude's been going absolutely insane. And kind of like we have in Sawchuck, I love this Oklahoma schedule to finish the season here. BYU, 59th versus the pass. Oklahoma's better than BYU. Period. They're gonna cause. They're gonna outperform whatever average BYU's been allowing there. And then you get TCU to finish the season, which that's gonna be an absolute shootout between Oklahoma and TCU right there. TCU's 103rd versus the pass. If Stoops continues to get 13, 14 targets per game, bingo, you're good right there. I don't like. He is probably. I, I would say out of all the options this week, he might be the the most important pickup of the week. That's that's just where my head's at on that. So, yeah, I'm in love with Drake Soups. I'll probably be targeting him, targeting for him in pretty much every league in which I have Fab left or any kind of waiver wire system left. So, let's see what else we got here. Last wide receiver we'll talk about here. 
Prince Strawn, the true freshman wide receiver there at Boise State, rostered on 1% of leagues. Here's the rub with Strawn. McAllister entered the portal, shocking a lot of people, kind of ending his season early there. And that kind of put the Boise State passing game in a little bit of turmoil in terms of who would probably step up in that place. Well, we've heard throughout the entire offseason and during the start of the season that Strawn was making an impact pretty early on. But with McAllister performing as well as he is, Strawn didn't really have a path to get out there on the field as early as possible. Well, now with McAllister out, Strawn has entered into that outside wide receiver role. And in his first start, he led the team in targets this past weekend. Six targets, three receptions, 128 yards, and a touchdown. Very, very solid start there for him. I have a feeling he's going to outperform that six targets this next upcoming weekend. Clearly a guy that the quarterbacks can rely on there. An explosive playmaker. I wouldn't be shocked if he is a dude that could become a super valuable a super valuable player for CFF in the next couple of years. The main thing I'm a little bit worried about is two things. One, both Utah State and Air Force have pretty solid secondaries, especially Air Force with how much they're able to keep it on the ground with anybody they're facing off against. So we'll see what happens there. But the other part of it is that with Boise State losing Andy Avalos, as we talked about earlier in the show, are they in quit mode? Is this going to be an ugly finish to the season here between Utah State and Air Force, not able to really put up points there? We'll see. Not sure. And then now, let me give you guys a couple of honorable mentions at wide receiver. Again, I'll be real. Outside of Drake Stoops, I would probably take all of these guys over Strawn and Floria. But Elijah Surratt is still out there, available on a ton of leagues. Trayvon Rudolph had himself a really nice game this past week. He's rostered in only 20% of leagues. Sean Atkins for USF. Hasn't been scoring a ton of touchdowns, but man, that volume has been nice for him. And then Kenneth Womack, very similar thing. Not a ton of touchdowns, but just an absurd, and I mean absurd, number of targets over the last couple of weeks. I mean, he has had target numbers of 16, 19, and 16 in in three of his last five games. Just absolutely phenomenal for him. And they're targeting him a little bit more downfield now, which is really, really nice to see over the last two games there. So, yeah, I would go and grab those guys. And then, we act, I'm actually going to talk about a tight end today. And this has, again, I, I told you guys I gave up on tight ends a couple weeks ago in terms of picking them up off the waiver wire. But this is a situation that I really can't ignore here. And that is a potential cheat code at tight end to finish the season. Now, I have zero, and I repeat, zero clue if this is going to be something that Syracuse continues to do here to finish the season. As this past weekend was the first time that we saw Syracuse kind of pull this off. Dan Valari, the quarterback tight end hybrid out of Syracuse was treated like a running back this past week 17 rushing attempts 154 yards and a touchdown pretty much neck and neck with LaQuint Allen of all people so just out of nowhere they decided to just insert this dude into the rushing lineup and made him a massive focal point now he was averaging 9.1 yards per carry so he was clearly clearly being super efficient the defense was not prepared to deal with him right there if this is something Syracuse wants to do on a week-by-week basis, absolute cheat code at tight end here. Again, he got 21.88 fantasy points this past weekend. Literally nobody started him, so like, not worried about him whatsoever there. But 
even if he doesn't get 17 carries per game, even if he doesn't get 150 yards per game, you're talking about a guy that, like, if you're talking about a tight end that pretty much guarantees 10 touches, 10, 15 touches every single game, and clearly they're willing to use him around the goal line there, I'm willing to, I'm willing to take the shot. And lo and behold, look at these, look at these final season matchups here. Georgia Tech. Going up, yeah, he's going up against Georgia Tech. They're almost dead last versus the rush in the country. If he's going to be a guy that's going to get 15 to 17 touches versus that defense, I want in on that. Wake Forest, they're a team that's pretty much already in quit mode. I can see Syracuse hanging some points on them as well. And Dan Valari absolutely can find some find some uh, touchdown opportunities in that game as well. So there's really not much else to say there. Potential cheat code tight end right here at the end of the season probably might be the most important pickup if you're if, if you don't have some if you don't have Brock Bowers or Dallin Holker. That's pretty much all I can say on that front. Which by the way, man, isn't it great to have Brock Bowers back? Oh freak, I should not have said that. I should not have said that. Oh my god, Jared. The whole the whole CFF nation's gonna hate me now. Oh my god, I can't believe I said that. <sighs> anyway, I'm depressed now. Let's go talk about something depressing like defenses. Um Got some good streaming options for you guys this weekend. Again, looking back at last week, much better week this past week than I did before. Um, the week before, the week before was literally one of the worst things I've ever done on this show. But three or four out of the five defenses I gave you guys last week scored in the top thirty, so you're feeling pretty good about that. In terms of what we got going on this week, Auburn and Arkansas, it's Cupcake Week for a lot of teams in the SEC getting ready for their rivalry games next weekend, and so. They Auburn gets New Mexico State, Arkansas gets FIU. Yes, both of those programs are not super great, but they should be able to out-talent teams like New Mexico State and FIU. They should be able to out-talent some CUSA competition, keep them off the scoreboard for the most part. Uh, Coastal Carolina, I like them up against Army this weekend. Again, very much probably going to be a relatively low-scoring affair. Army has been struggling to put up points against anybody not named Air or yeah, anybody not named Air Force. I think Coastal Carolina is going to be able to handle them pretty well. Nebraska going up against Wisconsin. Again, Nebraska has been, been, been a very sneaky, sneakily good um, good defense on the year here. Like We're talking about a top 20 DST on the year here. They're still only rostered in 26% of leagues. They get lots of turnovers. They're going up against Wisconsin this week, who's probably still going to be without Braylon Allen this upcoming week. Tanner Mordecai is just an absolute mess at this point. Uh, they they got their butts absolutely handed to them by Northwestern this past week. And if he can't score against Northwestern, I feel pretty solid in the fact that they're probably not going to find too much room to score against the Cornhuskers. And then last but not least, I'm kind of riding a hot hand here in North Carolina State. Again, a top 13 DST on the year. They're going up against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech has been a very up-and-down offense this year, but when they go up against a very legitimate defense, they seem to kind of get shut down quite a bit, and I think North Carolina State is that. And so while I'm a little bit nervous about it, I'm going to throw out North Carolina State again this week to do us well. They were a DST5 this past weekend. I'm willing to roll with that once again. Because, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, look, look at North Carolina State. North Carolina State's DST... Never mind. I'm looking at the wrong numbers. That is my apologies, y'all. Yeah, my apologies. I, I was looking at the wrong numbers. I was about to tell you that they scored like more than 18 points in like each of the last like seven games. And I'm like, that's not correct. My bad. Anyway, 
that's pretty much the end of the show. Like I like I said to start the show, much shorter show. Um, didn't get um, again. There's really not much to talk about. Again, we're right here at the end. This is kind of the fun part. We're just see what happens over the next couple of weeks. I really hope each and every one of you win your leagues. Again, I know for a fact that you know every matchup, it's you know fifty percent of players have to lose, and I hate that. But you guys have done well to this point. Every one of you should be proud if you have made the playoffs in your league. With that, we have come to the end of our show. Thank you all for listening. If you have not already, go ahead and leave a like, comment, and subscribe. If you are watching this on YouTube, and if you're on podcast, make sure you follow the show and leave a five-star review where you can. Make sure you guys check out the rest of the Campus Again Podcast Network for all of the shows, ranging on pretty much anything you can think of related to the college fantasy game. And really, we got NFL content as well. So if that's what you're into, go check out the rest of the C2C Podcast Network. We'll see you guys back here on Wednesday when Justin and I reunite to help you guys figure out what the heck you're going to do during your playoff matchups for this next upcoming week. Until then, really appreciate you guys, and I hope you guys have a wonderful and blessed week. See y'all.